It's Pet Chat on 2NURFM 103.7. Welcome to Pet Chat. Greg Richard here, joined by Cheryl Shaw and Dr Kimberly Earl. Great to see you two back in the studio. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Excellent. What do you got lined up for today, guys? I thought I'd talk about flies and your dogs and the things that can go wrong with flies biting your dogs. And hopefully we'll just be answering lots of uh, phone calls today. Of course, you can do any questions. You can give us a call on 49216216. And Cheryl, talk about flies today. Yes, talking about flies. Um, unfortunately, some flies are very, very picky on our dogs. So... What we want to talk about is what happens when a fly bites our dogs. Often they get bitten around the ears and this can cause a really big problem for dogs. When they scratch at their ears, they can often damage their ears, but also they can shake their ears. And when they're shaking their ears, that can cause a problem with the capillaries inside the ears bursting and the little blood vessels um, as they burst will cause swelling in the ears. And this is something that they call a hematoma. And often the dog has to go to the vet to have um, that looked at and treated by the veterinarian. But why the flies bite the dogs in the beginning is really quite interesting. There's about seven different types of flies that bite dogs and they range from very, very small flies like your midges and your sand flies through to your big March flies. And at this time of the year, the March flies are really around. Now, they're quite nasty. They have these special stylized um, sort of pincers on the end of their, their leg which they bite you with and they don't just bite you, they actually slash the um, the skin and cause quite an abrasive area so that the blood is flowing really freely for them to drink and it's always the female in this case, it's never the male he's out having the nectar and the pollens but the female needs the blood to reproduce. Now when she um, injures the dog um, sometimes those bloods will just continue the blood will continue to um, flow as, when she's finished and then it will dry and become quite hard um, and that will also attract more flies because of the odor or the smell of the blood it will attract more flies to continue to come and bite the dog on the ear and as that's it's usually the ear for dogs but because they have tend to have less um, hair on those areas on the on the pinner itself there's less hair and if they continue to bite that can do a lot of damage to the skin itself and the tissue and cause the ear to um, to deform and even cause a lot of problems that sometimes the tips of the ears have to be removed and um, so Kimberly with the tips of the ears being removed that's a common thing when the ears become quite distorted when they become really distorted but it's usually a um, an end stage result we don't have to do that procedure very often yeah. um, but we see lots and lots of dogs that have fly strike on their ears um, and they can be really really painful uncomfortable and the dogs get start to become very um, anxious and paranoid about having those flies um, buzzing around their face and landing on their ears and I'm sure the ears are very irritated and sore as well so yeah, yeah it is a real problem yeah there are things we can do though to help if we are making sure that the environment is really clean so you know making sure that you're picking up any food scraps or bones if you're a bone feeder making sure that there's nothing there to entice flies to that area another good thing is if you are cleaning up feces outside is to hose after you've cleaned it up because flies tend to not like the area being wet so they'll tend to go away from that area the other thing that you want to make sure is that your dog is really clean so making sure that your dog is bathed regularly to reduce the odor 
There are some dogs that attract flies more than others. So some dogs have a different odour. And um, as a groomer, we know, we can even have our eyes closed and know what breed of dog it is just by smelling. But te you tend to find that German Shepherd dogs, they tend to have an odour that attracts a lot of flies, along with Labradors. And uh, interestingly, if you've got two labs, so you have a black and a yellow, the black one is more likely to have fly bite than the yellow because those flies, those March flies and the, and the biting flies tend to like dark colours more so they'll usually go for those darker colour dogs but if we're keeping the environment clean and the dog clean there's other things we can do as well by using different um, repellents just like we use for ourselves but there's a lot of different creams and lotions that are designed especially for dogs and we need to administer these or put them on apply them really regularly because they do dissipate quickly so um, sometimes you find if you've got a spray some dogs won't like the spray at all and they'll you know be quite um, you know wanting to leave when you're about to spray if you get a piece of chucks or something similar and and really saturate that chucks with it and then wipe it over the the dog that's a good way of you know making sure that the dog has coverage but the fly strike itself is really a very very painful thing and it makes the dogs miserable so just making sure that uh, as i said the environment's clean trying to minimize the bites if you do see that the dog has little specks of blood on its ears making sure that you're wiping that off just so that it stops the attracting more flies to it. Um, it's really, it, it's quite um, interesting just how many different flies there are that are out there. Even some of the blow flies, they're attracted if there's an open wound, they will go to the wound and they'll lay their eggs in there. So just making sure that, you know, you're really keeping that environment as clean as you can and minimising the amount of contact that the dog is having with any flies. Yeah, and that's um, really important um, when you've got dogs that get hot spots that are prone to hot spots and things too. That moisture on the skin can often be attractive to um, the flies as well. And um, a hot spot that goes unidentified and untreated will sometimes become fly blown. Again, you get the same problem with the um, the flies getting in there and um, actually creating a deficit in the skin and laying their eggs in there. And um, that becomes a very exciting process after a few hours where you've got little wrigglies crawling out of those wounds and things like that. Mm. Um, the one thing I'd be really cautious about is that if you have cats around, a lot of those uh, topicals, particularly a lot of the creams and things like that, um, can be toxic to cats. And so if there's a chance that you have put um, a septicide cream or something like that on your dog's ears or on their around their wounds, if you've got a cat, you need to make sure the cat is not licking them off or rubbing up against them because those products, while they can be very safe for dogs and very effective, um, are often very toxic for cats so if you've got a multi-pet household just be mi mindful of that please and that's really good advice thanks Kimberly so we have got an email though from Bruce and it's kind of what we've been talking about already with flies he says will these flea and tick tablets keep the flies away also uh, unfortunately not, Bruce. Most of the new modern um, antiparasitics, which are really good for um, keeping the fleas and ticks off of your dog, which is still really important, particularly ticks. We're still in the um, high paralysis tick season. Uh, so it's still really important to keep that on. But there's only a limited number of those sort of systemic drugs that will actually have any efficacy against um, flies and mosquitoes. Um, so some of the older generation um, spray-on sort of products will um, advance is one that probably does have some efficacy. We do recommend that for um, animals 
animals that have um, mosquito bite allergies, which we do see, and it probably does have some efficacy against um, flies as well, but it does need to be applied on a fortnightly basis um, for that as well. Um, so you're often going to be using two products. If you have a dog that has uh, sensitivity to flies and fly strikes or their ears, ear tips are getting bitten, you all will often need to have um, a secondary product to apply to those sort of localized regions. So either um, a spray like um, Cheryl was talking about where you put it onto a cloth and wipe it onto the ears um, or there's a number of creams and, and sort of lotions around that um, that you can apply directly to the affected areas. Um, they're sort of less, you wouldn't sort of treat the whole dog with those necessarily. You're usually going to put them on the targeted areas. So, um, But so keep up with your flea and tick products. They're still really, really important um, because ticks kill dogs and cats. So it's really important we, we use those preventatives. But you may need to look for a second product if your dog's having troubles with um, flies. So, yeah. Okay. Just air regard doesn't work, obviously. Uh, you, listen, <laughs> I have had people who, who use AeroGuard and if you've got a long-coated dog and you gently spray a bit of AeroGuard roughly in their area, it's probably not a major problem. Um, the thing is we don't really want to probably be putting AeroGuard directly on the dog's skin because dog's skin has um, quite a bit fewer layers of thickness of cells than what ours does. Um, and so, you know, things that are okay for humans to have on their skin are often not okay for dogs because the, the skin layers are a lot thinner um, and then we don't want to get it in their eyes and their nose and, and things like that as well yep. so it's not really recommended um, you know We'll say, yeah. not, we'll say not recommended. We'll though. say not recommended, recommended. yes. <laughs> yeah. Just just that I'd ask. Yeah. Well, I suppose dogs are going to rub themselves with their eyes a bit more, aren't they? Than they do, would, yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. They they rub their, you know, their hands and, um, not their hands, but their feet into their faces and, and their faces on the ground and things like that as well. So, yeah. yeah. And sometimes when you are applying um, AeroGuard yourself, you can notice that your dog will start sneezing. Often mm. it triggers them to start sneezing, particularly if you're spraying when they're close by. Yep. Okay then, so air regard is completely out, we've confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> we had a question from Kathy from Madawi. She said she's got two female foxies who burn the grass when they urinate on it. And she's trying to work out any other way you can cut down the ammonia content in their urine. The, the old, the dog is making spots on the grass. Unfortunately, um, sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do about it. I mean, dogs are meant to have an acidic or, or neutral sort of urine, and they should have a strongly concentrated urine. Um, you notice it more with female dogs because they tend to just pee in the middle of the lawn rather than a male dog who will often go around the perimeter, and you don't see it as often. Um, I've heard of things, there's various rocks you can stick in the water bowls and different supplements and things like that but the reality is is that urine is your body's way of getting rid of the um, you know metabolites and chemicals in your body that we don't need anymore and um, and a strongly concentrated urine is actually a sign of a um, good healthy functioning kidney system um, and so you're probably more worried if the dog isn't causing some spots on the lawn. Um, you can certainly hose the lawn afterwards and dilute it I mean it's really about the concentration of the the, um, of the urine on the spot. So if you think, if you see your dogs going, you know, you can take a, a garden hose or dump a bucket of water where they've gone and that can, can certainly be helpful. Um, but unfortunately, we wouldn't really recommend doing anything to change the concentration or qualities of the urine pH um, and the urine itself because that can actually lead to some detrimental health um, problems in terms of, you know, kidney stones or, or bladder stones, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the nature of the females. What 
I what I would say is you can teach dogs to toilet in a certain area of your yard, and um, you know if you teach them to go on an area that's more uh, well less conspicuous or maybe that has less grass, you can teach them to go uh, over into an area where there's some gravel, so they're not actually burning the lawn. It is a little bit labor intensive. It means you're going to have to go back to putting them on a leash, and when you take them out to the toilet, keep them on the leash and in- encourage them to go to that area. Um, but dogs are very clever, and they can learn that without too much difficulty so yeah oh that's good to know um because i've recently just got a, a new dog mm-hmm. how long does it take for they toilet train properly <laughs> <laughs> is yours a puppy it is a puppy yeah. yeah so i mean i would expect that most puppies are going to be most puppies that have owners that are attentive and uh, it's not attentive i mean everybody's attentive to their puppies but you've got to kind of be a little bit on the ball yeah um it's going to take 20, 20 weeks probably, like till the puppy's up to 20 to 24 weeks before they're um, pretty consistently house trained. Okay. Um, and so, you know, most dogs by six months should be pretty well house trained. Um, but the, there's a bit of individual variation. Not every dog is as sharp as every other dog. Um, so we, we've certainly seen dogs that are, and, and growing up, we had lots of dogs growing up, and there were certainly some dogs that were just really hard to toilet train compared to some of the others that just seemed to toilet train in a flash. My current Goldie was super, super quick to toilet train, um, but sometimes they take a little bit longer. But I think it's normal to expect that it will take, you know, till the dog is five to six months of age before you're pretty happy that they're um, pretty consistently toilet trained. And even then, you should expect you'll probably get the occasional um, accident in yeah. the house. But yeah. he's, he's, getting, he's getting better. Yeah. It's, it's really about if you can prevent the accidents from happening, if you can prevent that um, association with, oh, I can toilet here on the lounge room floor or I can toilet here on the kitchen floor if they don't make that association with that being something that's possible then it just doesn't become something that they do if they always have a preference for toileting on the grass because that's just where they go then they're going to wait and hang on to it they, dogs are, are really quite um, good at developing a, a preferential yeah. substrate to, to toilet on so yeah all right cool we've got Lynn now from Shoal Bay and she's got a seven-year-old female Jack Russell who across who's got bad itching and was interested in a product you mentioned earlier, but wants some bit of advice about what to do with it. Okay. Hello, Lynn. Oh uh, yeah. Hi. How's it uh, going? Good. Thanks. How how can I help, Lynn? Um, you mentioned something. I just missed the. You said Advantix, and you also said um, oh, that's something that I could put on her. Um, I've had uh, stuff from the pet suppliers and Hotspot and things like that. She licks. It's very hard to hold her down, keep her still to put anything on her, but every now and then she goes through periods where the hair is... She has ball patches, um, then all of a sudden I'll come good again, but this, she she's constantly scratching mm-hmm. and... and Yeah. So, I mean, the big thing with hotspot, so a hotspot is basically a local area, uh, a localized area of um, redness and inflammation. They're usually moist, so we call it, um, like, they're a moist dermatitis, and they're a little patch of bacterial infection on the skin. It's normally the normal bacteria on the skin, but they've just, the environmental conditions on that area of the skin has become favorable for the bacteria, and the bacteria overgrow. And that in itself becomes very itchy and inflamed, which contributes to the dog 
dog wanting to lick at them um, and it's it's a really nasty little vicious circle because as the dog licks at it it becomes more moist the bacteria love the moisture and they overgrow continue to grow um, and hot spots true hot spots literally can double in size every six to eight hours they can they can really become um, significantly worse overnight um, so the best thing you can do in that situation is you've got to stop the dog from licking and that often means you have to put an e-collar on them you know a big cone or a, um, a donut collar you've got to maybe cover up the um, the spot uh, we need to let them dry out so washing them with a medicated shampoo um, I wouldn't use anything like Dettol anything like that that's going to be too um, strong and stingy but even just um, sort of trimming the hair away if you've got a long haired dog trim the hair away with a pair of scissors so you can get some air to it um, clean it up um, gently with a little bit of um, warm um, salty water um, towel dry it and then you've got to keep the dog off of them um, but the reality is, is if it's big and red and moist and sometimes they're even getting scabby crusty or even bleeding a little bit um, they're really quite painful and uncomfortable for the dog and uh um, you know, a prescription product to put on there um, or a prescription wash might be very, very beneficial. Um, in the early stages, I often find that just trimming the hair away and preventing the dog from licking is really, really um, helpful. You know, if you know that there's a little area that the dog's been, even before the skin gets moist, if you can just mm -hmm. see that there's an area that the skin is getting wet, um, trimming the hair up and preventing your dog from licking it um, will go a long way to preventing a hot spot formation. I was thinking about the cone actually, but she not it's not just one spot, like all her feet at the moment, the front of her feet mm -hmm. are all red. She bites them consistently. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just one spot. But like a couple of weeks ago her fur was lovely. There was no patches. Yeah. You know, she still licks her feet. And um another thing she does which is so um, a bit of a worry is when she's finished eating, she charges around the house, jumps up on the lounge and rubs her face up on anything she can get. Yeah, that, that's pretty normal behavior. Dogs get very excited when they've had a yummy meal. Um, and I would say that that's just a little bit of post-dinner you know, post excitement. I, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about a dog who goes around and, you know, they finish off their food and then they go around and rub their face on things. They're just tidying themselves up. Um, unless she's rubbing and scratching her face outside of meal times, um, then I would be more concerned. But if it's just after meal times, I'm not super, super worried about that. Um, foot licking and, and chewing on toes can often be an indication of either infection um, of the skin in between the toes or it's often a um, sign of a wider allergic sort of process. Uh, so we'll get a lot of dogs that will have, um, you know, uh, what we call atopic dermatitis, which is basically like the dog version of hay fever. Instead of coming out in their respiratory and sinuses, uh, it comes out into their skin. So those are inhaled allergens and a lot of those dogs will get itchy feet. Um, some dogs with food allergies will get itchy feet. Um, some dogs, it's not been too wet lately, but, you know, around the times when the grass is really moist or when we've been having lots of rain, um, if the feet are staying wet, then again, you've got that warm, moist environment in between the toes that can allow yeast and bacteria to grow and those can become itchy. And then again, you can get that into that sort of vicious circle of licking the toes, making them um, more wet, which makes them more itchy, blah, blah, blah. It's it's a bit of a vicious cycle. And I, I'm totally going through the, um, my current young dog uh, is turning out to be an allergic 
allergic skin dog. So we're going through the whole process of doing food trials and all sorts of things so we can try to work out what she's allergic to. It's a frustrating problem. Mm -hmm. um, just because your dog was lovely a few weeks ago, it could have been that there's something that's come into her environment or, you know, sometimes it's just the change in, in plants and pollens that have come out that she might be allergic to something. Or it might be that, um, you know, you want to make sure that your flea and tick prevention is really up to date because dogs who have flea allergies, you may not see a single flea on her, but if she's got a flea allergy, a single flea bite can start to make her itchy um, and that will keep her itchy for two to four weeks. So um, making sure that you've got really, really good flea and tick control is really important as well. Well, she won't, she doesn't get wet feet because she sticks her head out the door and if it's raining, she won't go She out. won't go outside in the rain. Well, that's good. <laughs> and the other thing, um, with the tick, she's never had fleas. And I, um, you know, I go over so she can still have the allergy to... So which, which one of them would you recommend, the Advantix? I heard you mention Advantix before. Yeah, so Advantix is actually probably not our top recommended one anymore. It's good for things like flies and mosquitoes, but probably not um, one that we'd recommend for fleas and ticks anymore. What you'd be looking for is one of the newer generation systemic drugs. There's a number of them on the market. Um, you can get them from your vet hospital. You can get them from a pet shop. Um, they're usually going to be a tablet. There are some top spot products where you can just put them on the top of the of the dog and they will last anywhere from once a month to um, some of the top spots are, are meant to last six months so um, there's a whole range of them but you're looking for one of the drugs in the isoxazoline class so those are things like um, I don't know Semperica, Brevecto, Nexgard those sorts of things um, they're, they're the better drugs in terms of fleas and ticks these days Nexgard yeah those sorts of things yeah Okay. There's lots of different ones, so you know, I think they all work equally as good. It just you want to pick one that's going to suit your lifestyle in terms of frequency of application and how you can get it in and onto the dog. Well, I can I can get it on uh, hold it, get a friend to hold it sometimes. But um, I've gone through the food thing over the period of time, and I, I was cooking. Uh, I used to just get chicken drumsticks and cook them up for her, and um, and then swap the chicken drumsticks and then some cheaper of the mint. But then I've got onto tin dog food, canned dog food and some dry stuff. Um, she usually only has, she might have something at breakfast, but usually only one meal of the night time and waits to see what I've got. She eats half of it, then waits to see what I've got before she finishes hers. Um, and, uh, but when she rubs herself like she was, she's got a cut over her eye because, um, She's done it um, up against the screen door. Oh, yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> and and she, she sort of keeps rubbing it, and that takes the top of it every now and then. The other other thing when she does it is when she, after she's gone to the toilet. Okay. And she runs she around then and rubs her face. She goes to lift it around the house, and anything she can rub her, her face up against, and a mouse, and, yeah, yeah, she does it then, too, so... <laughs> Gets a bit excited for that, yeah. I mean, you can always have your vet check her out and see if there's any signs of inflammation around the lips and the gums and things as well or around the eyes. They're usually fairly easy to see um, if there's some problems going on there as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank okay. you very much for your You're very welcome. Thank you. Time for one more question. It's from Marie from Shortland. And she's got a question about probiotics, if she can feed them to her dogs or not. Yeah, so we get um, we get queries about probiotics all the time. Listen, I'm a real 
pro-probiotic person um, in certain circumstances. So I think probiotics are really useful in dogs who have had um, diarrhea, who have had gastrointestinal upset. Um, we will often find that after a course of antibiotics, sometimes um, we have a dog that's got a bit of stummy, you know, tummy upset and um, putting them through a course of probiotics in those situations can be really, really useful. Um, there are, I have been noticing things in the media, there are lots of people who are touting probiotics as a um, way to cure skin problems and things in dogs. And I think that um, is not very good evidence that there's much use to probiotics for those sorts of circumstances. Um, however, most of the probiotics on the market are unlikely to harm. Um, and so if you want to use probiotics, I don't think that there's a problem with them. Um, keeping in mind that probiotics, a lot of the probiotics on the market are um, human probiotics that have just been relabeled for dogs and there is some good evidence that um, you know the gastrointestinal flora of uh, dogs is quite different to humans and so um, using a veterinary branded probiotic is probably you're going to get more bang for your buck that way because probiotics can be really expensive I mean some of those um, things that you you know proprietary products are not cheap and so I feel like if you're going to be doing them um, then you know aiming for a veterinary brand is probably good. Um, looking for things that talk about having high colony counts and live cultures is um, is really good. And um, just making sure that if the problem is not going away, you know, if the diarrhea is not clearing up, things like that, that you see your vet pretty quickly. Well, that's all we've got for this week, Tim. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll catch you again next Wednesday after midday. Sounds okay. good. See you Sounds then. Good.